I asked to read the passage myself this morning, so read with me. If you have your Bibles, please go to John 15. We're going to read John 15, verse 18 through 16, verse 4. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. May God do to us what he promises when we read Psalm 19 this morning. May his law refresh our soul. May his statutes make us wise. May his precepts give us joy. And may his commands give light to our eyes this morning as we dive in. This passage does not give you the warm fuzzies, does it? When you just read it. But there's a lot of truth and a lot of um, grace in there for us as a church. And we're going to look at three main points this morning. The first is the persecution of the saints is certain. Then the response of the saints is essential. And the preservation of the saints is is sealed. The, perse- the persecution of the saints is certain. We saw that in, in our section this morning very clearly. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. There is persecution for us. If you consider yourself a Christian, if you live for Christ, if you abide in Christ, if you live for his glory, there is persecution waiting for you. Second Timothy 3 and verse 12 says it like this, all who desire to live godly lives, 
in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So quick clarification. When our scripture says you will be hated by the world, who is the world? So that we know. And the Bible gives us, clearly tells us who the world is. They are those who are in opposition to God, in rebellion against God. They are those who are the enemies of God. And know this, Christian, that every one of us was part of that world. Before God, in his great mercy, verse 19, called us out of the world. We'll talk more about that later. So the world are those who stand in opposition against Christ and his church, us. So why does the world hate us? Look at two reasons. One, on account of Jesus. Two, because we are not of the world anymore. Jesus says in verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Then in verse 21, but all these things they will do to you on my account. And so he the, the, the hatred and the persecution that we will experience, we will experience as an extension of the hatred of the world to Christ. The world hates Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Therefore, the world will hate us. And so then we have to ask one deeper question. So why does the world hate Jesus? And to answer that, we'll go to the most well-known scripture in all the Bible, which is John 3.16. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 continues to say that he did not come to condemn the world, but he came that the world might be saved through him. That's why Jesus came. But then we read these sobering, sobering words in verses 19 and 20. And it says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, Jesus, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest the works, their works should be exposed. And so we see there the reason why the world hates Jesus is because they love darkness. They want to remain in darkness because there their evil deeds are covered their sins are hidden and they have to not be accountable to any moral superior being. They are comfortable there. And Jesus, the true light, threatens their kingdom. It threatens their darkness. And because they are afraid that their evil deeds will be exposed, they hate him. Friends, the kingdom of Jesus is opposed to the kingdom of darkness. Those two are opposite. And the kingdom of darkness hates the kingdom of light. And so the world stands guilty before the very God they hate. 
Look at me at verses 22 and 24 from our passage this morning. They both start the same. In verse 22, Jesus says, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 24 says, If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and the Father. What Jesus is not saying is that the world was not in sin before he came. But what he is saying is this. He said, I came and I shone the light of the good news of salvation in their darkness through what I spoke and through all the miracles that I performed to show my almighty power, to show that I am the true son of God. And yet through what he spoke and yet through all the miracles that he performed, they resisted. They remain unbelieving. They prefer darkness over light. What Jesus spoke and what Jesus did did not produce in them a sorrow for sin and a repentance of wickedness and an acknowledgement that Jesus is the Christ. It produced hatred. And now that they saw the light and still refuse, now they stand utterly guilty and without excuse because they do not know the Son and the Father. That's what Jesus' light is there, to show who he is and who the Father is. But they reject him, and so they do not know who he is. And so why does the world hate us as an extension of Jesus because we belong to that kingdom of light 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says this for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night or of the darkness the world loves darkness and we love light because of his great mercy we who used to be of the world are no more of the world. And that brings us exactly to the second reason why the world hates you, Christian. It's found in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Why do the world hate you? Because you no longer love the darkness. Because you no longer walk in their sinful habits. You no longer enjoy their wicked ways. But Jesus chose you out of darkness into life. And now you love righteousness. And you love Christ. And your light, your light exposes their sin. And so just like Jesus' light met their resistance, so your light will meet their resistance. Peter says it like this about the church in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You know this, you know this passage. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who what? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friend, if you're a Christian, then you were sovereignly and freely called by God out of darkness into his light. Out of death into life. And the world hates both you and Jesus because he called you out from among them and now their passion will burn against you because you're not one of them anymore. And we should expect no less, should we, church? Jesus says here in verse 20, remember the word I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. And so if they hated our master, what shall we expect? That they will hate the servant also. And so how are we to respond to this? We find the answer in verse 27. It says, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Our response, church, when we are hated and persecuted is not to retaliate. It is not to ignore and go like, whatever they say about me, I'll just, it'll just roll off. And it is not to avoid the world. But our response is to bear witness about Jesus with joy, according to James, and rejoicing, according to Paul in Romans, to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ by proclaiming him to the world who hates us. Because though they hate us, we are called to love them. And though they abuse us, we are called to pray for them. And so we witness to them for the sake of Jesus Christ and his glory. And this is no small thing. I don't know about you, but my natural inclination is not to love those who hate me and persecute me. It just is not. When someone slanders me for the sake of my faith, I do not want to love them and proclaim Jesus to them. I really feel unable to do so. Now think how much more to people who are seriously persecuted for their faith. A couple years ago, there was a bunch of children. They were laughing and talking as they came back down a hill to their sanctuary of their church. This was Eastern Sunday, and they had eaten together, and they came for the service in Sri Lanka. And a bomb exploded, and it killed many of those children. Now imagine you're the parent or the sibling of one of those children, and you say, okay, now I'm going to go proclaim Jesus with joy and rejoicing to those who hate me. How do you think it's possible? I'd say it's not. Not humanly possible. And so when you are persecuted and you feel you cannot 
proclaim Christ to them, cannot respond in that way, here is the amazing good news of this passage this morning. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You know what grace is bound up in those words? When the helper comes, he will bear witness about me. This helper is not a man. He's not some mystic force. He is the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying that he is going to leave us, but we need to continue to witness. Why? Jesus came to save sinners. If he goes away, we are now his church. We need to continue to witness so that he can continue to save sinners. But he is saying, you do not have to do that in your own power, church. God, the Holy Spirit, will come and empower you to do what seems totally impossible. When they persecute you, he will empower you to love them. And so we see in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit church was sent to empower you and me to witness to the world, those people who hate the light for the glory of Jesus Christ. So we will witness in his power, making known Jesus Christ to the world. And what is our message? Our message is the gospel. Our message says to the world, because of Adam's original sin, all of the world is in sin. And because of your sin, God is against you. And because of your poverty, you cannot approach God. You cannot get back to him on yourself. You need a savior. And Jesus Christ is that savior. And only Jesus Christ is that savior. And because he was a righteous and perfectly obedient man, he earned the right to be a sacrifice for you on the cross. And on that cross, he bore your sins. He paid your penalty. And if you will believe in him, he will call you out of the domain of darkness into the domain of light. That is our message that we preach. And even though very few people respond joyfully and obediently to the gospel call, even though very few repent and are saved. We keep bearing witness. You know why we keep bearing witness? Because by doing so, Jesus will save some. Like he saved us. Friend, when you were in the world, somebody bore witness about Jesus to you may have been a preacher, may have been a friend, a teacher, whoever. Somebody bore witness to you. And because they bore witness to you, Jesus empowered their words. He opened your eyes and he saved you. And so we keep bearing witness to the world that in the hope that Jesus will open their eyes and call them out of darkness into his marvelous light and save them.
That's why we do this. And so that's why I said our witness is not needed. Our witness is essential to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May he do that well through us, church. What is crystal clear from this passage is that the call to follow Jesus is not a safe call. It's not. Jesus says in Matthew 10 that he is sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wolves devour sheep. Unprotected, unguarded, sheep are utterly helpless against wolves. Yet we are sent as sheep among the wolves where we will be hated and persecuted for his namesake. This is when the theology of what we believe about the Bible is essential. We don't run away from this. Maybe you are here today and you are experiencing, it's experiencing hatred and persecution from family or co-workers or students because you love Jesus. And it makes you feel weak and alone and bitter. If it is you, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Know this one thing. Jesus knows your suffering. Jesus understands your weakness all too well. If there was ever a man who understood rejection, hatred, persecution, and ultimate unfair death, it is the man of sorrows. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Friend, if you're here this morning and you are acquainted with grief because of your own um, suffering, know that Jesus is acquainted with his grief and with your grief also. And so as Jesus gives us this dangerous calling of following him and witnessing about him to the world, he cares deeply about one thing. He cares deeply about the perseverance as our perseverance as Christians to the end. When we are persecuted, Jesus wants us to persevere to the end. And he gives us great comfort for our perseverance in this passage. Look with me at chapter 16 in verse 1. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus loves his children. And he does not want any of us to fall away because of the hatred and because of the persecution we will experience. His children must persevere to the end because then we will see him face to face. And so persecution may be so severe, and Jesus knows this, that some may say, is it even worth to follow Jesus? And so he comforts us. He says in chapter 16, verse 4, but I have said these things to you that when your hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. He's saying, I want you to be aware, Christian, of the hatred and the persecution that is coming your way. 
Because I do not want you to be caught off guard when it happens. Because I do not want you to fall away. And so like a mighty military general that's going to battle with these troops, Jesus is telling us what to expect. He's not leaving us in the dark. He's telling us what to expect there. And when we get there, when we feel the hatred and the persecution, now we know it is coming. And we can pray and we can ask him for his help and for his protection and for his mercy and for his boldness in the face of hatred and for perseverance. And when it happens, when that persecution comes, our, our faith will be strengthened because we know. Why? Because we know that he told us it's not outside of his knowledge and it's not outside his control. And so we can trust him in those times. Now here's another piece of good news. You are not called to persevere by true grit. We, we have a responsibility. We have the responsibility. We are called to stand firm in the Lord. We are called to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. We need to abide in Christ to the end. Why? Because those who hold on to the end will be saved. But we will only ultimately preserve to the end of our lives and not fall away through the gracious and faithful preserving work of God's Holy Spirit. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Who will bring your life's work to completion? God will. And so we should take much comfort again in Jesus' words when he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father... Because, oh, what a helper he sent us. One who is able to do far more, abundantly more than what we ask or what we pray or what we are able to accomplish in ourselves. And Christian, here's the good news. He is for you, not promised anymore to come. He is in you. He lives in you. You are a temple of God. His spirit indwells you to give you the power. And you know what that means? It means that he is your guarantee. That's what Ephesians says. You are sealed with the spirit. He is your guarantee of an inheritance until you acquire possession of it. So, yes, our persecution for the sake of the gospel on account of Jesus is certain. And for some, it may be so severe that they want to turn away from Christ. And he does not want that. And therefore, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And so on that day, when you feel that weight of persecution, when maybe through painful tears, you cry out to the Lord, you will not 
fall away, church. Here is where we are sealed. You will not fall away, but you will be preserved, not by your own might or power or strength, but by the precious helper, God the Holy Spirit, in you. So fear not. Fear not how you will be hated by the world. Fear not how you will be persecuted by the world. Know that in Jesus you have obtained an inheritance that is secure. And even if they kill you, even if they kill your body, your inheritance with Christ is an eternal inheritance waiting for you to be revealed in the last day. Oh, what hope we have. Before I end, I I think we should address the question that I hope are on many of your minds. Um, Excuse me, Josh. I, I don't think I'm experiencing any persecution or hatred. Um, Is that a problem? Does that mean something is wrong? Does that mean I do not live a godly life because Second Timothy 3.12 says that if I do live a godly life, I will be persecuted? Good questions. Anybody wants to come volunteer to answer them? I think it's a good, these are good questions that we have to answer because the answer to those questions may be yes. Let's start with this. I personally, and I'm sure you do, personally thank the the Lord that we can meet together in a building like this week after week after week and I have no real fear that a militia is going to storm in from the back and kill a bunch of us and abduct our children. I thank God for that. In the U.S., we are mostly free of that kind of persecution. According to Open Door opendoorsusa.org go read on their website there are 340 million Christians who live in countries where they are severely persecuted just in the last year around 4500 churches and church buildings were attacked and thousands of people killed these were not random acts of violence. These were vi- this is violence, persecution against Christians. We need to pray for the persecuted church. But even though we do not, by God's grace, currently see that kind of violent persecution in our country, let's be clear that hatred and persecution against Christians is alive and well. God says it, and so it is alive and well. It may appear more civilized, not storming in with a gun, but many Christians experience some form of it. Ridicule, mockery, slander, misrepresentation, discrimination, avoiding you, all those things are forms of persecution and hatred against you. Your co-workers may not openly disagree with you about your stance, but their social media posts may make it clear about this idiot 
who works with me and his stupid, stupid Bible view on abortion or your philosophy professor may um, publicly ridicule you for your archaic moral ideas. We're in the 21st century already. Get with the program. Now here's the deal. If you tell me that you do not experience any of this type of persecution, then we have to drill deeper. And we have to ask the question, why not? If you live in the world and you experience only acceptance from the world, then we need to ask why. And I strongly encourage every one of you who feel that to to do self-assessment and ask, Lord, why is it that I am not experiencing persecution? I think there can be a book. Maybe there are books. Maybe somebody should write a book on, on this. Here are three reasons that I think why some do not experience hatred and persecution from the world. The first reason is Maybe you are still in the world. Verse 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And so friend, if you're here this morning and you know that you are still in the world and therefore you experience acceptance from the world, Jesus is calling you today. Jesus wants to call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus wants to bring you from death to life, real life. And so his grace is available here for you this morning. If you are in the world, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, the the chance is there today that you can become a follower of Jesus Christ. And so please, after the service, some of us are going to be up here. Please come talk to me or somebody up here and ask, what does it mean to be a Christian? How can I be a Christian? How can God call me out of darkness into light? And we would love to talk to you about that. A second reason why we may not experience hate or persecution from the world Maybe you just live like the world. Camouflaged Christian. Trying to fit in so hard with your surroundings out in the world. I'm just kind of going with the flow, Josh. I really don't like rocking the boat. Actually, I'm just protecting my relationship with my non-Christian friends. Bogus. In reality, if we do that, we live for our own comfort and our own glory rather than for God's glory. And so, friend, if it is not evident through our conduct and our conversations and our habits to the people around us at work, at school, at home, that we belong to Christ and that we live for his glory, then we need to first make sure that our profession of faith is true. And if it is, we need to repent. 
We need to repent before God for the way that we live. If the world cannot see in us that we are Christians and we try to just blend in with them, we need to repent and ask God to forgive us and to give us boldness to live for him. And boldness does not mean argumentativeness. It means to lovingly, graciously proclaim and live out what we profess. Friend, if this is you, if you are a camouflaged Christian, you need to repent. You are not going to endure to the end by trying to gain acceptance from the world. We need God to help us. And a third reason why we may never experience hate from the world, maybe you never or extremely rarely proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone. Because if we do, the world will hate us. And here are the excuses. I really don't know how to. I don't even know how to start the conversation. Start with, hi, my name is Josh. I don't think this is a strength God has given me. Ooh. Friends, when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the world, he was not calling some super Christians to some exotic and dangerous place to go make disciples of cannibals. He was calling us to go make disciples where we are today and tomorrow at work and at school and at gym. He's calling us to do that. And if you are scared, ask this Holy Spirit whom he promised to give you boldness. And if you don't know what to say, ask the Holy Spirit to speak boldly through you. But here's the one thing we cannot do. There is no option in this Bible of not proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to do that. And so when we fear the hatred and persecution, where do we go? We run to God's word full of promises and we run to God and ask, Lord, help me, strengthen me, give me the willingness to do this. Let me not be afraid of hatred and persecution, but let me be willing to speak your gospel in the face of that for your glory alone. There may be many reasons why we are not experiencing what this passage says. But let's decide together this one thing this morning, church. That we will ask God to empower us through his Holy Spirit. To help us grow in being bold, willing, loving representatives and heralds of Jesus Christ for the glory of his name. So that we as the light, will be the light, even though we're hated and persecuted. And may he give us boldness, may he give us strength to endure when you are hated, when you are persecuted. Know that the Holy Spirit is in you. Know that his word is a rock that you can stand on. You will persevere because the Holy Spirit is your guarantee. Oh, may God do that for us. I'm going to pray for us as Kevin and the band comes up. Lord, when, when we read passages like this, 
we are often at a loss for words because on the one hand we see what we don't want to we do not want to be hated and we do not want to be persecuted and on the other side we see your amazing grace in giving us your Holy Spirit to endure to the end and God this morning I pray for this church that you will empower us through the power of your Holy Spirit one to endure persecution and two to live for you Lord when we come when we look back at our lives may we not say that the, the world loved us but may we live lives that proclaim your glory to the extent where our light encounters the darkness around us. And then we ask, Lord, will you use our light? Will you use our words? Will you empower it through your spirit? And will you effectively call men and women, family and friends out of darkness into your marvelous light and save them for your glory? Lord, make us willing children, willing to bear willing to go, willing to speak. We ask for your power to do that. In Christ's name, amen.